Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of land and waters that this podcast is recorded on. Hey there, Quickie fam. It's Claire here. We're currently on our summer break. So I just wanted to, first of all, just say a massive thank you for spending your time with us in 2023 and feeding your mind. All of your story ideas, all the feedback you've given us, the constructive criticism, we appreciate it all. Thank you so much. So what we're doing at the moment is we're playing you some of our best episodes from the year before we come back on board for reels on January 15th. So for example, this year, Channel 9 News weather presenter Jessica Braithwaite introduced us to a concept that we didn't realise would have real-world implications for us right here on the Quickie. She told us about trialling something called the low-info diet, of tuning out the news cycle and social media feeds and just, you know, getting on with life. And some of you would later admit to us that it actually made you stop listening to this very show. So... While we really don't want that to happen again, we thought you might want to hear how we self-sabotaged ourselves in 2023. Check out this chat about the low-info diet. Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. Recently, my colleague Tom Lyon... Hello. ...who you might know from listening to previous episodes of this show, is the Quickies audio producer commented to the team about how he would normally consult his wife Jessica about what topics we might cover here on the show. It's his way of getting a woman's perspective on things, which is much appreciated by the team in general. However, this time, he wasn't able to get Jessica's hot takes because she informed him she was currently on a low-information diet. A what, we all inquired? Let's look into this, we agreed. The low-info diet first appeared in the book written by entrepreneur Tim Ferriss called The 4-Hour Workweek. In it, he describes how you can minimise the amount of information input you deal with on a daily basis, like placing an autoresponder on your email that says you only check it twice a day at 11am and 4pm, putting a number to contact you on if it's absolutely vital you be in touch immediately. He also says newspapers and magazines should be chucked in the bin. That's physically and digitally. Ferris claiming he hasn't read either in years, instead focusing on one trade mag he spends a few hours a month reading and claims it has no impact on his ability to generate income. The same goes for social media. He also discusses outsourcing your life to people you can hire online and doing an 80-20 analysis of your work or personal life, working out how 20% of your input can contribute to 80% of the results. 
He also goes into how you have to be in charge of when you do certain things so they don't overlap and take up more of your time. To establish work-life separation, which I would encourage you to think about as opposed to balance, which implies blending, you need to plan life. You need to schedule life. So if you just roll out of bed late on a Saturday and you decide you're gonna check email for a second, like having one potato chip, you're gonna spend three hours on email. So schedule your life well in advance of when you actually want to live it. But focus on eliminating information as opposed to trying to consume it. Jessica is a weather presenter and journalist and has been a frequent guest on the Quickie during our recent run of disastrous weather events. She's also married to Tom and the person who started this whole discussion about low-info diets. Jessica, what motivated you to do this? <laughs> I think there might have been a straw that broke the camel's back, actually, because like it was over Christmas and New Year and I felt really... You know, Christmas is a busy time as it is, but I just actually felt a bit burnt out and overwhelmed with how busy my life was, but also how busy my brain was. And I felt like I was just being sort of pulled in too many different directions mentally, like quite anxious really. And I just made a decision that I didn't want this year to be like that again, like coming into the new year. So I tried to sort of make some decisions about, you know, how to create more peace of mind and, and pockets of calm and more like mental space in my life. And that's when I sort of came up with this idea of just trying to cut out all of the junk information, just like the junk content that is kind of like, you know how it feels like we're kind of getting bombarded with stuff like all the time. Like I'm a mum of two young kids and so I have just even the mental load of that alone is a lot. But it feels like from the moment the alarm goes off in the morning, there's always something or someone demanding of your attention and I just wanted to get some of that back for myself like just to have my own peace of mind and a little bit more control of my own mindset does that even make sense it absolutely makes sense but the next question from that then is (laughs) how do you even do that yeah (laughs) well I've come up with a few little tricks for my own life and I guess it's different for each person what I did is I looked at my own life and my daily habits and tried to pinpoint some of these areas where I could carve back some mental space for myself. And so I guess everyone's might be different. But for me, the first thing I did was I went to my email and I unsubscribed from like, I would say 90% of the emails lists that I'm subscribed to. And I picked a few that I wanted to remain up to date with, with causes that I'm passionate about, or so I can still have an understanding of certain issues that I wanted to for work. But most of like the junk, I just got rid of all of that. So then that is not compared for my attention each time I opened my inbox. I got off Twitter. I realized that that website was just making me angry most of the time and it was making me sort of more anxious than anything else. Sometimes for work, if I get on, do what I need to do and get off. I put an Instagram timer on my Instagram. So just sort of like 10 minutes a day more so as opposed to like a whole bunch of scrolling. I feel like that's made a really big difference this is a bit, my car radio, whenever I turn my car on each time, the radio comes on automatically. Like even if it was off, you can't, it just keeps coming back on. So I've tuned the radio to static. So it's just like a soft buzz, which reminds me to turn it off. And that means that in the morning when I'm driving to work, instead of my mind just being hijacked by like whatever, you know, latest celebrity outrage they happen to be talking about on the radio I just have that time back for myself and my own mindset and get to have a bit more of a choice about okay what do I want to be actually thinking about in this moment and also when I'm like 
stuck in line. This has probably been the hardest habit to break. If I'm waiting in a line or waiting for something, I used to always just get out my phone and like jam more information into my brain of like scrolling on something. Now I just don't do that. Like I just sort of have a look around like at the real world (laughs) instead. And I found that they might seem like really small things, but it's allowed me just to have like a few minutes peace here and a few minutes peace there and a little bit of like time, you know, just to take a deep breath and restore a little bit instead of just sort of constantly being caught up in something. Not everyone agrees that a low-info diet is actually good for you. There are those who say, especially for people who have retired, for example, and need to keep engaged with the community, that often to stay relevant, people need to seek out your opinion on things. So we need to stay on top of what's happening in the world. So do we need to detox our brains from it all? And how do we do that, considering our growing dependence on our smartphones? According to the results of a new study published in the British Journal of Psychology, more frequent checking of your smartphone is associated with greater incidences of cognitive failures. That means our constant need to check our phones and absorb all the information contained in them can lead to brain overload, which in turn can contribute to things like forgetfulness, distraction and mind-wandering. And our highly interruptive little pocket computers can also interfere with our ability to focus and complete tasks. And we're getting hooked on it too. A Harvard University study found 73% of people claim to experience a mild state of panic and anxiety if they temporarily misplace their phone. A phone that a survey by Finder.com found Aussies spend 150 minutes a day on. That's two and a half hours if your brain's too info-logged to work it out. One in six of us spend more than five hours on our smartphones per day. That's the equivalent of 76 full days a year, more than two months. And some of us have become so attached to our devices that we experience phantom notifications where we feel our phones vibrate in our pockets or nearby when they aren't even anywhere near us. Our smartphones have become part of almost every daily routine we have. We take it with us to socialise, we take it to bed, we use it at the dinner table. We even watch TV while also scrolling. During all that time spent browsing, we've read thousands of articles, watched thousands of videos, played online games, FaceTimed, texted, read books, taken in masses of information. But is that really that bad for us? Sam Weinberg is a Margaret Jacks Professor of Education at Stanford University and the author of the upcoming book, Verified, How to Think Straight, Get Duped Less, and Make Better Decisions About What to Believe Online. Sam, what is all this constant phone checking and absorbing of all the information actually doing to us? The first thing it's doing is it is shortening our attention span. And so our attention is constantly being bombarded by stimuli that we simply cannot track. And so... Consequently, our ability to focus and stay focused has been severely impaired by information overload. Why do we find it so addictive? What is it about all that information that we just can't turn away from it? We find it addictive because some of the smartest minds working in technology today are trying to figure out how we can become more addicted. And so it's not an accident that we scroll and we get notifications. We have tiny little little drops of 
dopamine every time that we get a buzz. So it's not something that is wrong with us. We're simply reacting to things that have been studied and tested and perfected so that we do become distracted. Is there any part of that that's actually good for us, though, like being connected or being across world events? Is, that, is there a part of that that's actually good for us? Listen, there's a philosopher at the University of Connecticut named Michael Lynch, who, and I'm paraphrasing, says that the internet is the greatest fact-checking mechanism that mankind could have ever countenanced, could have ever invented, at the same time as being the best bias confirmer that mankind could ever have come up with. So really, the choice is in our hands. It is, it's, it's sort of like the way that physicians talk about a scalpel. A scalpel can kill it. It can also save lives. The internet is by itself a fairly neutral mechanism. It's what we do with it. And if we can train ourselves away from the kind of junk food information that steals our attention and use it in order to become more thoughtful about any kind of legislation that's on the docket or a medical issue that's occurred with a family member, then yes, we have essentially all of the world libraries by a power of 10 carried in our back pocket. You talk about training ourselves to do the right thing when we are using it. And part of that is something that you refer to as critical ignoring. Can you explain to us what critical ignoring is and why it's important? So critical ignoring is the flip side of critical thinking. So the first step in critical thinking is deciding where to spend and invest our attention. What happens when there is an overabundance of any kind of quality it leads to the scarcity of another. When we live in an era where there's an overabundance of information, it leads to a scarcity of attention. And the most precious thing that we possess and that we have control over is our attention. So critical ignoring is simply learning to stay away from clickbait, to stay away from low-quality information sources in order to preserve our attention for what really matters. How do we do that? Well, the first thing is we train ourselves to identify low versus high quality information. So when we are Googling a particular question and we land on a website for an organization that we've never heard of, but the website looks very spiffy and it looks like it's well designed and it seems to answer the question that we have, if we know nothing about the organization, we should ignore it and use the power of the internet to see if this is a bona fide organization or if this is just a bunch of quacks who figured out how to get a good-looking web template and write some prose that's convincing. And so the first thing we should do is to be very, very thoughtful about where we want to invest our time. Sam, what's worst case scenario here from the way that we consume all this information now? Are we dumbing ourselves down sort of as a whole? Are we going to see this impact in future generations? You know, every time there's a new technology, there are doomsday scenarios. We can go back to the advent of the printing press and see Martin Luther talking about how the world will be filled with information and assaults on true religious knowledge, and the printing press should be banned. So we said the same thing with radio. We said the same thing with television. We have a new technology, and we are in a digital era. And the idea that we can put all of the genie back in the bottle is sheer fantasy. 
This is a powerful technology, but it's the rapidity at which it's developed has exceeded our ability to be thoughtful and how to use it to our benefit. And so we are playing catch up. And I think as an educator, I am an optimist. I believe that in the next few years, we will come up with mechanisms and we will be able to teach those mechanisms in our school in our educational system. Right now, we're not teaching these kinds of things. We're still behind the eight ball. But I am an optimist that we will be able to harness this technology and be able to control those aspects of it that make us stupid. So would a low-info diet actually be the way to go? Sam says you can definitely benefit from a break from the info grind. I see a lot of benefits in it. In fact, to speak quite personally, I use a program on my computer called Freedom, and Freedom makes it impossible for a particular time that I specify to go on social media sites. I find particularly when I'm trying to concentrate or I'm trying to work out an idea, when I run up against a brick wall, I will flee to social media sites in order to distract myself. And by installing a program on my computer that makes it impossible for me to do that, I'm better able to preserve my attention and use it in productive ways. So absolutely, in the same way that if I'm on a diet, I hide the chocolate chip cookies or I put them in a twist tie and make them at the highest shelf in my kitchen to make it difficult for me to quickly grab them. It's very different if the chocolate chip cookies are on the highest shelf or if I leave them on the counter. If they're on the counter, they're there for me to munch on at my will. Similarly, when the whole social media network, and of course we all have a desire to be connected, and when I am working by my lonesome and trying to work out an idea and run up against a problem, I want to flee. I want some information junk food. But this particular program removes it from the realm of possibility, and it allows me to refocus, take a few deep breaths, and get back to work. And Jessica, she agrees. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess I'm just, you know, one person and I've just tried it for myself and I'm not like a, you know, like a neuroscientist or anything. But I have found that it's really freed up. I feel a lot lighter. I was reading on this tech blog that in 1945, the rate of human knowledge in the world doubled about every 25 years. And now it doubles every 12 hours. Like there is so much information out there that we just could access if we wanted to at the tips of our fingers. And for me, I feel like maybe that's just a bit too much. Like maybe it's a bit too overwhelming and maybe it's better to strip life back a bit to focus on what's really important instead of just sort of handing over our mental health to, you know, whatever happens to be rolling through your tech feed, your social media that day. So I feel like it's quite empowering, but the main asterisk is that it's not about tuning out altogether. It's more like if you think of it as like a diet, like we very often think about what we consume with food. If you want to focus on eating things that are good for us to feel physically well. And I think this is just like focusing on what we want to feed our brains to feel mentally well. And if you think of it in that way, it's sort of like we're not cutting everything out altogether. It's just sort of thinking about having a nice balance of what actually makes us feel good. The Quickie is produced by myself, Claire Murphy, and our executive producer, Callie Borg, with audio production by Tom Lyon.
Big thanks to anyone listening who's become a Mamma Mia subscriber. Subscribers get access to every podcast, exclusive videos and all the great articles on Mamma Mia. And of course, you'll be supporting our team of female journalists and producers. Subscriptions cost as little as $5.75 a month. There's a link in our show notes.